This week on Writers Get Animated, The Jungle Book 2016. That's right, we're going live action, question mark? Is it a movie that wants to walk like animation, talk like animation, be like animation? Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. Thanks for tuning in. And on today's show, we are talking about The Jungle Book 2016. Not 1967. Right. The 1967 film, The Jungle Book, <laughs> was the 19th animated feature for Walt Disney Pictures. It was also the last film supervised by Walt Disney himself, who died in 1966. Um, it was a lot of his story influence that helped change the Jungle Book story into what it is today, coming from uh, building off of the same writer from Sword in the Stone and pulling that together. But the story changed a lot. Hmm. But that's not what we're discussing today. I mean, sort of. I know, but I wanted to get that out of the way. Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to talk about the um, panther in the room. The elephant in the room? There's I mean, still this, elephants there's in the room. There's still elephants. The, the whole... General Haiti in the room. Sorry, what? General Haiti, who's the elephant in the 1967 Oh, it's film, been a while since I've seen the 1967 one. Okay. I know. I'm sorry. I'm a disappointment to you. You're not a disappointment to me. You're... you're you, you, still... you don't have anything else to say. <laughs> I'm just not a disappointment. Right, right. I'm a... just okay to you. You're fine. You're absolutely <laughs> fine. As who you are and what you've seen and what you've experienced in life, you bring something to the show, too. The bare necessities? Yes. You, you bring the bare necessities. The bear. I was going to say entendre on bear. <laughs> so, um, but this, Disney has started a run on live action, taking their animated films and doing live action versions of them. Um, we have Maleficent. That's going to go with melodramatic live action versions of them. Melodramatic live action. Gritty. I think yes. they try to make it gritty. The gritty reboot of Sleeping Beauty, colon, Maleficent, so, and colon, Maleficent 2. Which is coming, which is exciting. Um, Alice in <sighs> Wonderland, you know, is out there. Oh, with, God. But what Disney is doing... They're doing this weird hybrid thing where they're not only are they going back to their own properties, but they're going back to the original property mm -hmm. and going, hmm, how can we look at this original, original property again and mix it with what we already created as a company mm -hmm. and come out the other end with something interesting? So they go back to the ice cream of the original story. They dip it in the fudge and peanuts of what they had already done. And then they... Try to feed it to children again? Yeah. There you go. Okay. Hopefully they're not like Jack and allergic to peanuts. <laughs> that's the... I think that's the hope. You this hope, metaphor got really complicated. <laughs> I hope the hope what is... What if they're lactose intolerant? That's true. Is um, there Disney frozen custard? I don't know. Possibly. Possibly. They could have a dairy allergy altogether, like Jack. So they're making this So stuff Jack just can't have any of this. He can't. He okay. can have 85% of the Jungle Book. Oh, no. Oh, no. When, oh. <laughs> thank you, Chris. Thank, no doubt. Thank you, Chris. Not Right. <laughs> Never thank you to me. Thank you. Um, but 
so Disney's going through, they're, they're taking um, their properties that they used to have, repackaging them, and bringing them out for today's discerning audiences. Mm -hmm. um, and we're getting, we're getting more of them. Tim Burton doing Dumbo. Um, that's coming. That's up. happening? That's a thing? Yes. Oh. You didn't know that? Oh, there's so many complexities in there. It's Mostly crows. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Tim Burton bringing uh, out Dumbo. Um, they have Genies coming out, which is a prequel to Aladdin that's coming out. Yeah, it's a live-action prequel to an animated movie? Correct. Okay. Like Maleficent, which was sort of a prequel and a sequel and a midquel. They were trying to Wicked that. themselves. Disney said, we don't have Wicked. We should have Wicked. Let's make a Wicked. And so they did. And so we got Maleficent. Thank you, world. You've made that possible. But it wasn't a musical. That's what they were missing. They were missing some songs. They a musical. Some, they needed some music in that. Um, which they did not make that mistake with the Jungle Book. They still brought the music back. Or did they make that mistake? <laughs> I think that's part of our debate. <laughs> that's part of our debate. So there's a lot of debate going around right now about this new Jungle Book movie. Is it a live-action remake? Is it an animated movie? Apparently the people who make it can't even decide. Ooh. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's like the opposite of what... Disney did when they made the film Dinosaur. Um, if you remember way back to the film Dinosaur. Way back in the year 1999 or whatever but that was. Here's the thing. Dinosaur is counted as one of the Disney classics. It's counted as a full-length animated feature, which I didn't realize that it counted as one. Who? Did, do people want to count that? Well... Um, I, I went back because they said Tangled was the 50th. And I was like, really? The 50th? I thought I had miscounted. And I went back and I looked and they counted two things that I didn't realize were counted. And one was the um, Winnie the Pooh recently from 2010. And the other was Dinosaur. And I, I was like, Dinosaur? I thought that was an experimental thing. Like, I did not realize that was actually counted as one. But it is. So I bought it on Blu-ray. Um, <laughs> it had to go in its spot. It had to go in its spot on my shelf in Disney continuity order. But I don't know what to do with this new Jungle Book. Where does it, does it go with the animated classics? Disney doesn't count it that way. Because exactly. it doesn't follow Zootopia. Exactly. So it must go with the live action films mm -hmm. on the other shelf in the J's. Above the Star Wars shelf and below the Marvel Cinematic Universe shelf? <laughs> no, Marvel's mixed in with everything okay. else. What about the purely Disney live-action movies that aren't based on animated movies? Is that a separate shelf? No, that's that's in the regular Same shelf. shelf. Same shelf. Like, okay. Who Framed Roger Rabbit is in the shelf of just everything because it's touchstone. It's not added. Oh, it's an everything shelf. Yeah, it's the everything, everything else. Well, except for The Simpsons because that has its own shelf. That's just because there's enough of it. Exactly. But moving on, it's Jungle Book 2016 is the opposite of what Disney did. Um, in Dinosaur, they had CGI characters on real backgrounds. So they went out, took real footage of real places, and then they animated the CGI characters on top of those backgrounds to see if they could 
live in that real world space. Da -na -na -da 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 -na 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 -na. Careful. No. <laughs> Not quite. So <laughs> what happens with Jungle Book is we have one real thing, mm -hmm. one real person. Mm -hmm. Emphasis on one. One. So, one. Neil. Neil. Um, Neil Seti. Our friend Neil. Who uh, was 11 during the filming of Jungle Book, who brings a lot of... Um, I, I think he brought a lot of, uh, what is the authenticity to his role? Mm -hmm. I felt like he was very authentic in the way he was performing, which makes me think that hopefully he's done some theater or he has a really great imagination. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like theater actors in his situation would do very, very well. Because instead of being a black box theater, you're in a green box theater. Basically. Basically. It's like Peter Brook directed Jungle Book. This like, is one of my favorite child actor performances recently. Category, non-underplayed. Yeah. Yeah. He did really well with it. Um, but there's, very, there's one live action character. And then everything else, close to everything else, about 90 some percent is animated. Mm -hmm. So there may be one set piece. Essentially, I think they, they said in an interview, John Favreau, the director, said in an interview, anything that he touches, interacts with, or that casts a shadow had to be somehow represented on set. So if it casts a shadow on him, mm -hmm. that there had to be something created. And watching the credits, it, it was really cool to see Jim Henson Creature Shop creating the on-set doubles for, oh. for the characters. Oh, is this how Disney's going to use the Creature Shop from now on? That's, that's <laughs> to, disappointing. To help them create their CGI creations. Yeah. We're going to have intermediary puppets, which sounds like a great premise for a psychology TV show. Intermediary <laughs> puppets. Uh, yes, I think so. Let's not talk about puppets, though. Let's talk about the final product. The movie, The Jungle Book, parentheses, 2016, close parentheses. Yes, let's. What do you think? Takeaway thoughts. Just in general? Like, what are my As thoughts? In general, in general. Starting at the top paragraph of the review, say what you're going to say, then we'll get into the nitty-gritty. Okay. Um, I think it is a good successor to the 1967 film. People who haven't ever seen the 1967 film um, won't miss anything coming into this. I think they won't understand why Christopher Walken is trying to sing. That may, yeah, that's probably going to be the one thing they don't understand. The, um, the Bare Necessities song is very well integrated in dialogue. Yes. And when they talk to Justin Marks, the um, writer who did the screenplay, um, he talked that that was the one song that was still in the movie. Mm -hmm. Like so, and then after a while, they decided to John Favreau and other people were like, "How about the King Louis song? People love that song. Can we can we get that back?" Well, they kind of got Cause song as well, didn't they? But um, in, it was in the credits. In the credits, yeah. They had Cause music playing during the Cause scene, which was very evocative, and it was like that's a nice way to bring it back through the score, but not have the music 
the, not have the lyrics. Mm -hmm. um, because what they did with Ka, I thought, was really smart and really interesting. The hard part about these live-action films, and just films nowadays, whenever you're rebooting something, is um, dramaturgically, they're trying to motivate everything. So everything has to be connected to something somehow. So we need to, they somehow tell us about Mowgli's backstory as if we need to know his backstory, which I feel like we don't, but we have like, oh, we I have. Think, we, I think it worked. I, it did work. In I, the context of this movie, because we don't see him go back at the end. You're right. I think it was nice to have that. Here's why there's just this human running around. I, I agree. Um, what they needed to motivate more than anything was Shere Khan. Mm. Mm -hmm. So in, in motivating Shere Khan, they needed to find to, a way to motivate Shere Khan, um, the tiger, I should say that, Shere Khan the tiger, give him motivation by tying it directly to Mowgli's journey in some specific direct way. Yeah, but I'm kind of tired of that trope. I know, but that's the easiest way to motivate the villain is to have um, a single origin point for the hatred of the villain and the new journey of the hero. Mm. They have the same origin point mm. in, interestingly enough, a cave. Are you going somewhere with the cave? Not necessarily. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying that's interesting, isn't it? It felt like a point. There should be a cave, like the metaphorical cave. I mean, that is the hero's journey. The Star journey. Wars cave. Yeah, the Star Wars cave. Everybody has a cave that you must enter at some point. That's a man cave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, there is. I um, I thought this movie was fine. Like, I, I wasn't expecting to see it, then we decided to talk about it, so I went and saw it. And I had a good time. I did enjoy myself. Watching the Jungle Book, open parentheses, 2016, close parentheses. How many people were in the theater when you saw it? Ooh, um, I started off as the only one, and then there were like five more. By the time you're listening to this podcast, not only will the Jungle Book probably be out of theaters, but you have to keep in mind that Chris and I saw this movie well after it came out also. So I'm sure they were packed theaters when the movie first came out, but our experiences do not reflect. I will say this, based on... The money that, mm. it, that it has made so far. So much money. The, based on the money it's made so far, our experience is not everyone else's experience. Um, mm -hmm. I went with my friend Elise. We were the only two people in the theater. Yes, your friend Elise. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Our friend Elise. <laughs> I apologize for claiming ownership of that friendship. Our friend and listener Elise. Um... But she did go to the movie with me. Um, 11 a.m. Uh, yes, yesterday. So, 11 a.m. theater, 11 a.m. showing where nobody else was really at the movie theater in general. Mm -hmm. um, the point I was trying to make was, depending on who you're with and who you're surrounding, you may get a different feeling. Because audience for live action, even though the screen does not change what it shows, like a, a play would, Mm -hmm. um, the audience does change perception based on who you're seeing it with. I think if the three of us had gone, we would have had a different experience. I mm -hmm. think it, 
that's one thing. You're saying you needed my my insight? I'm saying I mean, you would have added something. I would have added something. Elise would have added something to it. You know. Do you hear that, Disney? Mackenzie Worrell is part of your movie-going experience. You should make it official and hire me and Chris. To go see movies with people? No, 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 no. Well, I mean, oh. that, that'd be fun, too. But, I mean, maybe other things. Okay. Crafting so, the movie experience. Anyway, start back with your review. I, I totally interrupted your what yeah. you were saying, what you were going on. I thought it was a fine movie. Um, it was very interesting, some of the things they did. I learned a lot about The Jungle Book doing research for this and which characters were from... Which characters appear in which iterations of this? The original stories versus the 1967 Disney movie versus the 2016 Disney movie. King Louis is not in the original stories, but is in both Disney movies. Raksha, the mother, is only in the stories in the 2016 movie, but not the 1967 Disney movie. So it was like this weird mix. And there's some other like throwaway characters. Icky the porcupine, who we will come back to because I love Icky. Gary Shandling. Gary Shandling. Well done, Gary. You had like five lines and you stole the movie. <laughs> Those are applause. Um, it was fine. The things that really rubbed me the wrong way about this movie were the most, were both the most cartoonish things about it and the most gritty, realistic things about it. One of the things I hate in movies is like where they the camera, air quotes, gets dirty with like rocks or like water splashing onto it. They do that a couple times in this movie. Oh, so you mean where like on the screen? Yeah. Suddenly it splashes on you and there's like yeah. gunk on the camera. We're splashing animated water on an imaginary camera to show you that this is a realistic piece. Well, there was real mud. <laughs> As you will see in the... We will send out a link in the show notes at writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. So go check out our show notes where you can watch a 13-minute long making of There Was Mud. That's so fine. It's possible that, that from that filming there was mud that ended up on the camera. Then do a reshoot. It's not a good shot. But it's gritty. I hate that aesthetic. I don't want to know that the camera's there. You're breaking the fourth wall by showing me that the camera's there. Not breaking the fourth wall. You're <laughs> you're hitting the fourth wall. You're <laughs> right. slamming you're up against it. You're smacking into the fourth wall. Yeah, you're literally smearing it all over the fourth wall. So anyway, um, the so the gritty realism, the gritty realism, and the cartoonish things. Um, say say a little bit about that. It is no one's fantasy to listen to Christopher Walken sing, and they do a really awful job, like trying to build up to it. Like the music, the, the the song starts playing in the background before he starts singing. It's like two minutes of like music. Like, why is there music in the scene? The rest of this movie doesn't have music. And now Christopher Walken is talking way. and there's instrumentals under it. And then he starts to like talk rap sing for like a verse. And then thank God it's done. I love Christopher Walken. Did you stay for the credits where he's saying the whole thing? Yes. But I didn't have to look at it then, so it was okay. There were cute things happening on the screen of the storybook. Yeah, I thought that sequence was fun. That was very well done. Uh, um, there is in that making of, that 13-minute making of, there's a moment where John Debney and John Favreau, John Debney, who did the score music, and they're discussing um, how to bring the music up for Wanna Be Like You and how like we need to incorporate it. Maybe do this so we're... 
we're not just turning up the volume essentially it's like can we just try to integrate it bring it bring it out a little bit more um so um and also in the other interview which we'll have in the show notes talking about seeing if they got that together mm-hmm. um how they brought it out um talking about since they had christopher walken they made king louis um they were trying to make him funny still because in the movie he's a major source of levity in the 1967 film yeah um but keep it dark because you yeah. got christopher walken so they their inspiration that they were channeling was a little bit of um, Colonel Kurtz from Apocalypse Now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> is, is what they were is what they were mentioning. Me- this little bit of craziness to him. I also got like very like New York Italian mobster. Yeah, and with this extinct um, ape species, uh, Gigantopithecus. Gigantopithecus, which uh, they talked about having that as a lyric and adding a new verse. So Gigantopithecus in there just so that, cause it, it existed in that geographical area. Unlike the um, orangutan of the original 1967 film. Yes. Gigantopithecus existed at some point. Because it's extinct. more realistic to have an extinct orangutan rather than an orangutan. Listen, it, they, they tried. They tried. They they knew they wanted that character. Yeah. Ultimately, the movie, they're trying to make it a more realistic movie. In every way possible. Emotionally. Mm-hmm. Definitely physically. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, they want it to be more real. Like, they start asking the questions, what is it like for Mowgli to be a wolf in this wolf pack? Mm-hmm. Somebody who when you're looking at it, can't run as fast as a wolf. You know, what does that behave like? What is his behavior like? And motivating everything throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did enjoy their change of the character of Baloo from somewhat of a happy-go-lucky guy to really being manipulative. Um, I did enjoy that um, he sets he sets him on the stereotypical bear journey of collecting honey. Mm-hmm. So he gets Mowgli to go up and try to get honey. Yeah, because I'm like we're suddenly channeling Winnie the Pooh or something. <laughs> so go get the honey. Um, but they had um, when the other animal characters come and watch Mowgli up there. They start making comments that, oh, Baloo's convinced another monkey to get up there. Mm -hmm. So it's not his first attempt Mm -hmm. at trying to coerce somebody to um, get get his honey for him. That was a very nice scene for many reasons. I liked having the chorus there. I liked having a pangolin. I'm part of the internet going crazy about that animal being there. Pangolins, everybody. The next big thing. I've been saying it for years. Disney's brought it mainstream. Um, but also just having um, Bill Murray trying to riff on that and the plot of Mowgli then embracing his more human side and being inventive and right. getting things. It was a very well done scene. Um, I did enjoy 
that it's as much of a journey for Baloo at that point because his character does change because of Mowgli. Mm-hmm. And it's Mowgli inspiring him to to be a better bear, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You make me want to be a better bear. Is that Christopher Walken being Baloo? No, I was I I was don't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's some Jerry Maguire kind of thing. Baloo in the rain talking to Mowgli. Yeah, I, I could see that as a Zootopia movie, like a Jerry Maguire bear, where he's like, you make me want to be a better bear. <laughs> God. If we want to keep it in the Disney family somehow. I will say, one of my... Speaking of Jerry Maguire... <laughs> Should we, or should I Chris O'Dowd this right now? No, 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 no. This okay. is getting back on track. Chris O'Dowd is not necessary. Take your hand off the finger, the finger O'Dowd, Chris O'Dowd button. Okay. All right. Gone. Get us back on track. Um, speaking of Jerry Maguire, one of the things that I think also rubbed me the wrong way were references to things that these animals in the, the Indian jungle wouldn't know. Like saying, bears don't hibernate. Yes, it's funny. And Blue talking to the pangolin. You're an endangered species, buddy. Don't be more endangered. Well, like, okay, they, they know about hibernation of bears in other parts of the world and what endangered species are, but they don't know the word for fire. Really, we're going to call it the red flower, but you know endangered species. His line was better than, than what you made it sound. The line, the endangered line was... It was funny. It was a very funny line. Both of these lines are funny. I'm not going to dispute that. But it was very much outside. It was a comment kind of line. It was a cartoonish aspect of the movie. Right. But I felt like that line worked. I think if you know which characters to give them to, it could work. But if you're trying to be super realistic and then you give these... I mean, I know we're talking about talking animals at this point, but... <laughs> right. In the end, we, we have talking animals. A talking animals. bear can't know what hibernation is. It's, that's true. Not his species. I, I suppose that's true. But the talking bear, if we get into it, um, the talking bear has most of the comedy, the spoken comedy. There's other comedy that happens in and dramatic irony and other things that happen before we get to Baloo. But Baloo's the first character where we crack certain jokes. Mm -hmm. Now, we get Icky in the very, very beginning. <sighs> Icky the porcupine from the very beginning. Bean's funny. Oh, man. Icky is the arc of this movie. I would watch an Icky movie. <laughs> so, we, we get Icky the porcupine doing his little, this is my rock, this is my stick and you start to be introduced to okay this is what it looks like when things are hyper realistic but it's also an okay place because we have a talking porcupine mm -hmm. um and the narration the way they did certain moments of narration with bagheera and other characters that was really well done i felt um starting yeah. in meteores through the chase scene yeah. was really well done because you didn't know where you were going and then ending the movie, I feel like if the Jungle Book, open parentheses, 2016, close parentheses, um, has anything on the 1967, it's a better ending. Really? Yeah. Mm, okay. Really? You don't think so? I thought the ending was very abrupt. It reminded me a lot of the, um, 
partly just for the effect that they use, but the recent Simpsons Trios 4 episode where Sideshow Bob says, I feel like I'm a New Yorker cartoon, and it just fades out to like the New Yorker cartoon. And draws them. They do the exact same thing. They're like sitting in a tree going, this is comfortable, and then it fades out to a drawing of them. Like, that's the end? Yeah. We're going to end on this is comfortable? Yeah. But this is comfortable being them having their lives still in the jungle. In the original, in the 1967, um, because they needed to motivate Mowgli making the decision to go back to the man village mm -hmm. um, and choosing that the only thing strong enough to make him leave the jungle would be love for a girl he just saw. Mm -hmm. That that would be the one thing to get him motivated to leave the jungle. I feel like it's a better choice to have him make the choice to stay. Not for not just for franchise purposes, <laughs> since Jungle Book Two has been Greenland. announced, yeah, <laughs> um, with the same director and writer um, and stars, but the star being Neil, right, and that log that they put on a track to move with him, <laughs> and the various puppets that they the developed. various puppets. Good news, Jim Henson Studios. <laughs> you get to make a Jungle Book Two. You still get to work, even though the Muppets are canceled. Oh. That is neither here nor there in this podcast <laughs> episode about the Jungle Book. I'm just glad that the Jim Henson Creature Studio has work. That's all I'm happy about. So, but I think the ending, um, that that moment is abrupt, yes. But the as far as where we started the movie to where we ended the movie, it's better and more motivated than the original 1967. But that's not the argument necessarily, but that's mm -hmm. one thing that... I will there. also say, when I first finished the movie, I was inclined to be a little bit like, oh, okay, that's an interesting choice, because typically you see in a lot of like American and British movies, um, like when a child enters this fantasy world, they decide to go back home at the end, to what home is. And when I left the Jungle Book, like, oh, he's still in the jungle, okay, that's an interesting choice. But I realized Mowgli's gone from home being the wolf pack, this interesting world of trying to survive on his own in the jungle, to back in the wolf pack. So while it's not going back to his human home, he has gone back home at the end, which is still a very American slash British narrative. However, it's home in his, to make it more American, it's home in the way that he defines it because now he also has the bear. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it's like, it, it's home on my terms. Yeah, now he has. I'm allowed to be who I am using all my tricks as they call them in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, all his little tools and handmade things. It's like, I'm allowed because my body works differently and <laughs> I have different thoughts and can have these crazy thumbs and can do all kinds of stuff. So I get to be in the wolf pack as part of the family, but still be by myself and who I am inside and outside. Well, he needs more mentors because his mom became head of the PTA, so she doesn't have as much time for him anymore. That's true. His mom, like, took over. Raksha. Good <laughs> yeah. power to her, which she had to. Mm -hmm. um, that, I did like Raksha. That moment with Akila. Spoilers. That where they move, Mufasa him? Yeah, where they Mufasa <laughs> him. There's a lot of Lion King references in this movie also, I feel. Yeah, where they... Um, the one question I have, and maybe you can answer this, Mackenzie. Um, Shoot. So, Shere Khan has mm. dethroned, has um, Mufasa'd Akila. <laughs> you 
right, that's a verb. <laughs> He's Tweet Mufasa and your favorite use of the word Mufasa as a verb to at WG Animated on Twitter. <laughs> so he's Mufasa Akila and taken over as the surrogate head of the wolf pack, mm-hmm. re, you know, telling stories. But um, when we re, when we go back to the, the wolf pack and visit them, there are all these carcasses around and um, bones mm-hmm. around him. Are those wolves? I have, don't know. I was unclear. Or those animals that he's gone out hunted and brought back and eaten. Because they didn't look necessarily like, oh, it's a deer or something. It, I feel like those are animals that he hunted. And maybe the wolves were implicit in also eating. Because I mentioned at the beginning, oh, Shere Khan hunts for fun. Right. So I feel like those were animals he hunted because he he didn't like position as like this is a wolf hostage situation. I'll kill one wolf an hour for <laughs> until Mowgli comes back. <laughs> but it felt like for some reason my my brain was like, look at all those wolves that he's like killed. Well, why would he kill Raksha then? He would kill Raksha first if they were wolves. Uh, well, he still needs or the gray one. Yeah, he would he would have killed them. I really thought the gray one was going to die. Yeah. Me too. Like, oh, a cute little baby animal. You're going to die. I'm and they so keep sorry. referencing him being the runt, and the runt gets eaten. And yeah. Of course he's going to die. Yeah. In Jungle Book 2. Oh, no. But on the topic of being Mufasa, Shere Khan did get scarred at the end. Like, shot for shot remake, Shere Khan as a giant cat falling from the tree into the fire below. No! Yeah, but I feel like it was more of... He, it was less like Scar and a little bit more like um, Frollo and Hunchback of Notre, Notre Dame. They do that a lot in Disney movies. Slow motion falls into fire. Yeah. I guess it's... But because, is it a metaphor for hell? They're falling into hell? Yeah, it must be. Oh. Because the Frollo had a little fire eruption when he like hits. And, goes, and, it, um, and Shere Khan had that happen when oh, he hits true. the ground. It goes... Yes, the, the jungle floor does not very much on fire at all. There's a little brush fires around and suddenly his body's just gone. It's just burnt up in a second. And here's a crossover that they could do. Palpatine could come over and recover his body and bring him back. Darth Khan. Darth Khan. Sheer Vader. Sheer Vader. Sheer Vader. That sounds like a... A Darth Vader with fashion sense. Like, I'm sheer Vader. (laughs) I'm going to stop that right now. (laughs) We're done with that. Okay. Line of thinking. Do you think this is an animated movie? I do not. How are we going to have a debate? Come on. I do. Okay. Is that what I was supposed to say? (laughs) I do. Well, let's debate why it would be an animated film. So you have... I did a lot of research. You did this. a lot of research. So, um, John Favreau said that it would qualify as either. Mm-hmm. I went on to talk more about it, but I didn't write down the whole quote. But um, He says, quote, I think it's considered live action because people feel like they're watching a live action film. Close quote. So, they're making it so that way it feels completely real and live action. They, they're making it towards I mean, that end. When you're two and you're watching The Lion King, you feel like you're watching a live-action movie. That's very true. <laughs> Does that make it a live-action movie? 
Marketing says it's live action. Yes, I did. Marketing, marketing Disney does. marketing is positioned that says live action. It's part of their live action chain of remakes, as you mentioned. Now, the Oscar rules for the animated Oscar. You're taking Oscar. all my research. I know, but you're saying for the yes. You're, I'm try, I'm, you're doing a very good job. I'm making you, your argument. Not making my argument. Making the <laughs> argument. So, okay. yes. at least 75% of it needs to be animated. Uh-huh. And it is at least 90 dickety percent animated. If you watch the, <laughs> if you watch the um, making of behind the scenes video, um, you will see just how animated it is. Yeah. Like, thank goodness that loincloth is real and not animated. Like the Green Lantern suit? We're not talking. That's not a movie that ever happened in this timeline. This I know. is the best timeline. That movie was not made. <laughs> um, the other Oscar rules, at least 75% animation created using a frame-by-frame -frame technique, which is true. The animation rules also explicitly state motion capture is not itself animation. Just because the character is created through... Yeah. Generated by a computer does not mean it's animated. And while this movie did use some motion capture, it's not all motion capture... Um, and a significant amount of major characters must be animated. Well, since there's only one live-action one, yes, I would say that's true. Yes. Um, however, I think this is the key point for me of why it is not an animated movie. The Oscar rules for the animated Best Picture category state that submission for this category requires a signed form from all credited producers and directors to qualify for animation. So all the producers and directors have to say yes, it is animated. Well, I think they have to say, yes, I'm submitting it for this category, which by extension means, yes, I'm saying it's animated. But I doubt that they are going to do that. Yeah, I don't think that they are. There's a lot I think of they're talk. going for special effects. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? That's what they're going to do. This yeah. is a special effects award, but is special effects... I mean, more and more, that's an animated category as well. Right. It's Best animation of things yeah. that aren't people. But no also longer people. is it... How cool is that alien suit we made that guy wear for Alien? It's more like, what are these? I don't know if that was an actual... Never mind. I'm rambling. I know what you're, what you're saying is these are all effects. Everything that's generated is now a special effect. Mm -hmm. Even character mm -hmm. is special effect. So how real does it get? And I think the goal of this movie was to make a realistic movie. The grid on the camera. The things that didn't work were the cartoony bits, trying to sing a song. It didn't work because it's not an animated movie. Bare Necessities worked. Yes, because it wasn't really a song. They sing it, but it's not like a, we're going to have a musical dance break and sing Bare Necessities now. Like they did for I Want to Be Like You. Where the, the hard part of Want to Be Like You. Okay, so Bare Necessities is in a song a statement of a lifestyle. <laughs> that's that's what that well, that's what you're doing with that song. You're having characters express what they believe. Mm -hmm. It's the belief song. Um, in that song, nothing dramatic happens. Mm -hmm. Like there's not a push or pull. It doesn't advance anything. Not I love this song. I'm not saying anything against the song, uh, Mr. Sherman. Uh, who's still alive, Richard Sherman. Um, I'm not saying anything against that, but he didn't write Bare Necessities, so never mind. But um, Bare Necessities <laughs> is a beautiful, beautiful song. It's the 
Hakuna Matata of this film. Correct. Now, or the Hakuna Matata is the bare necessities of the Lion King. Get the bit, bit, bit. Now, uh, <laughs> I Want to Be Like You is actually a little bit different. Things happen dramatically. Mm -hmm. The lyrics of the song advance plot. Mm -hmm. Don't try to kid me, man cub. I made a deal with you. What I desire is man's red fire to make my dreams come true. It's advancing the plot and it's dialogue in the form of song. Mm -hmm. So I think what you're feeling is, yes, this character moment is happening through the song where nowhere else in the movie had we have a character development plot movement in song. A plot movement. A plot movement in song. <laughs> except in Want to Be Like You. Yeah. And that may be where it had a hard time. Yes. So. I agree. All right. I mean, this movie is also being compared a lot to Life of Pi. Because of the tiger. Because of the tiger. Um, because Life of Pi had nothing in it. Except a live-action little Indian boy. <laughs> True. <laughs> and Avatar as well, uh, which is, according to James Cameron, many times not an animated movie. Mm -hmm. But we've talked a lot about how this is in comparison to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Right. Which is by all definitions, less animated than this movie. But I would call Roger Rabbit an animated movie and this not. Yeah. Um, and I think... I, I don't know if it's the CGI versus... It's not CGI versus 2D animation. It's. I think a lot of it is intention. Yes. Their intent was to make something appear, as we've said, real. Mm-hmm. And Roger world. Rabbit, it's they even make the the air quotes real characters be less realistic because they're not going for realism there. No, they're not. So, so there you have it. Our great debate where we both agree this is <laughs> not an animated movie. So, Mackenzie, what was your favorite thing from the Jungle Book? Oh, besides the pangolin, my favorite thing is. As I said, Icky the Porcupine is the arc of this movie. We begin with Icky saying, my rock, my thing, my thing, my thing. Later, we see him fighting over a stick with leaves on it, saying, this is my stick, my stick, my stick. And at the very climactic end, when we have the, the fire burning through the jungle and all the animals huddling in darkness by the river and are panning across all the animals from the movie, and they're all standing there, there's Icky the Porcupine just... No fanfare, just down at the bottom, holding a smoldering stick in the exact shape of the one he had before. And that, my friends, is payoff for a joke. It's almost a blink and you miss it thing. I think I don't think I would have noticed it. It's I honestly amazing. don't think I would have noticed that stick had you not told me about the stick. I love I'm glad you did. Stick. And I think Elise might have missed it. But I saw the stick. <laughs> it's just the little porcupine shivering and holding the same stick and it's on fire. <laughs> it's still his stick. Yeah. What's your favorite thing? Um, my favorite thing um, was the Mufasa mo moment. Mm -hmm. Akila. I think because it shocked me. Yes, it was shocking. 
It was shocking. It was fast. And I couldn't believe that they did it. But it was so necessary and amazing. It's like, yeah, this isn't Jungle Book. Well, I think the movie got better from then also because Akilah just, he was a very two-dimensional, like, I'm a good leader. Yeah. There's no room for growth there or change. So we killed him. <laughs> That's the end of that chapter. <laughs> I think um, what, what I found interesting um, after we Mufasa, Akila, <laughs> I just keep using that verb. It's a good verb. Once they Mufasa'd him, um, the storytelling, it, it allowed Shere Khan to be menacing in a new way. I think um, what's interesting about Shere Khan in the original 1967 is he doesn't seem dangerous, mm -hmm. but he totally is. Yeah, he's just like this bumbling, but... I would never call him bumbling. He's not bumbling. But he's, he's very... Um, he's calculating, and he uses fear tactics. He's more of just the quiet threatening him you know he's dangerous because the other characters are scared mm. not because of anything that he's doing necessarily but he's totally um at them and I, I i believe um the scene with him interrogating ka in the 1967 film is really interesting because he's not really even paying attention and he's has one little claw out and he's scratching cause little little throat and just hmm what have you eaten today kind of like feeling around his middle trying to figure out if he's eaten Mowgli and it's really interesting but you feel like he is a threat only because of the way that Ka and the other animals react to Shere Khan but I do remember that final battle in the 1967 being just completely intense not nearly as intense as Jungle Book, parenthesis, 2016, close parentheses. That final battle is intense. There's a lot happening in that. Yeah. I would say about 85% of the Jungle Book, parentheses, 2016, close parentheses, is Jack safe. And about 15% <laughs> is too intense for Jack. Um, so um, when he's older, Jack can watch this movie. And listen to this podcast. So he doesn't get spoiled. Yes. Before he can watch it. Until then, it's not a Jack Save podcast. <laughs> See you in four years, Jack. Awesome. Homework time? Homework time. Next week on Writers Get Animated, we're going to talk about one of my favorite things, genre fiction, specifically genre animation. What does that look like? What does it mean? Why do we love it? So to talk about this, we're going to watch the original Johnny Quest Season 1, Episode 8, The Robot Spy. From the 1960s. From the 1960s. We have a whole 60s thing going recently. I suppose. Um, and Duck Dodgers, not the original Duck Dodgers. But the TV show. The... Well, I mean, yeah. Yes. The TV show Duck Dodgers from this millennium. <laughs> um, season 1, episode 12, The Queen is Wild slash Back to the Academy.
Homework time. That's our homework. As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Cotino, and to Jacob Reed for our theme music. Join us in our conversation on Twitter at WG Animated. Check out the show notes and any links to things that we are talking about at writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. Also check us on facebook.com slash WG Animated. And leave us a nice review on iTunes. Please. Please. Please! So, um... I want to sleep like you. Dream like you. I don't know what you're doing right now, but... I'm trying to say I'm done. Oh. Good, good night. I'm sleeping and dreaming. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>